0: The Ryan family sex dungeon. It's the Seahawks Nest podcast. (laughs) Oh, why you got to bring Rob Ryan into this? No, it's Rex Ryan. It's the the foot, the foot thing. You said, you said,
1: Ryan family. I assume Rob Ryan is into something
0: weird. Uh, You know, Matt, Matt Ryan, gross. Rob Ryan, yeah, Rob Ryan, Rob Ryan, maybe could be involved. Who knows? Maybe that's part of the thing. Maybe she's gonna get a tattoo of herself wearing a Rob Ryan jersey next. Ew. Maybe she wears both of their lap bands as bracelets. Ew. <laughs> They'd be anklets. How much how much worse? They'd be belts. <laughs>
1: belts. They'd be belts. Have you seen Rob Ryan? That that man can wear a triple XL like no one else I know. He's yeah. got a
2: lap band the size of Talladega.
1: <laughs> so you know we're only giving it to the Ryan brothers because we're playing the Buffalo Bills this coming monday night hey i'm your host welcome to the seahawks nest i'm eric ronabek like i said your host with a beard with me is kevin garber with facial hair the man who's just starting his november journey meaning he's not going to do anything about it is nathan santo yep knew it nailed it nailed it so gentlemen ugh lost to the saints we lost to the
0: saints well, do you want to, do you want to just get right into it? You want to break down some I kind of want to forget
1: about this game. So yeah, whatever you guys want. If you want to, if you want to talk right. about can lap bands more, I'm right? fine with that too. I got a
2: real quick one. Can okay, I do this? Go ahead. All right. So, uh, no clock stoppage on high towers out of bounds play yes. on the throw with about two minutes and 40 left. Um, the two illegal picks that were acknowledged, 11 penalties for 76 yards for Seattle, two penalties for 10 yards for New Orleans. And the most telling stat of all, why did C Mike only get 10
0: carries? That's the real 10. problem. I don't know. Cause he that was only averaging four, four and a half yards a carry. Can we talk about the last play of the game? Cause it really yeah. bothers me. Did they okay? replay that? Sure. Let's just say, okay. Let's just say that. Yeah. He's the worst cornerback in the league. Okay. Probably the worst quarterback that ever hits the field, at least. And so we have Curse singled up on him, and you know there's basically two things you can do here. You can run a slant, or you can run a fade. Running a fade to Jermaine Curse is probably the worst idea ever, because it's, it's not. Fades are already really challenging routes to run. Okay, like hardly anyone has a high success rate on fades. It's a super low success rate play. So we're already at a point where we're okay. We're going to run a fade. Fades are garbage. Okay, which is a so now so instead we can run a fade or we can run a slant. So we run the fade and basically we're going to ask Russell, "Hey, make a perfect throw." And he just he he, ha- he had no margin for error yep. at all. It was and a little high and he was a little was too high. close so, for a fade, I feel. Yeah, and so just run the slant. Like don't don't run curse on a fade, just have him run run a slant and try to hit him, you know, up and over for 8 yards and then try to power your way to the Atlas 2 yards into the end zone. I
1: have a a better question though with the with the single safety over the top, why did we not have Jimmy Graham on one end? We could have had Jermaine Curse on the other. At that point, the safety, like no one's going to cover Jimmy Graham. Go ahead, Kevin. Kevin. We
2: basically didn't flex Jimmy Graham out no. at all. Like, why know. at that
1: point? The he s- had five targets,
2: three catches, and we never flexed him out for some reason.
1: The safety has to come over. Like, no one's going to cover Jimmy Graham one on one, so the safety has to come over. Which means, guess what? Doug Baldwin the slot wide open up the middle.
0: I don't understand that, and that's I'm right. not and like I don't get the play design yet because like they can use this, they can use Baldwin or Graham to suck the safety in and then and then get Curse one on one on any route except a fade. The thing, the yeah. the whole just like. Throw a fade to to Jermaine Kearse thing is so in route would have been Mind blowing to me. It it felt like
1: sloppy. Throw your hands up. Pick a play.
0: I mean, it's it's really hard. Like when you're that close to the end zone, you run out of routes to run. Right, your route tree gets really small. Yeah, you can run curl routes that go to spots, but you generally want to be a little closer than we were on that play. So then, from about ten yards out, you're limited to like slants, pick plays, and fades. Like you're you're limited to these kind of things but like the way that they lined up use the use the tools that you have to get a better to not to not throw a freaking fade like i just it doesn't make any sense to me well and what's Jermaine Kerr's best at catching balls that when he runs in a straight line 50/50 balls yeah if 50/50 balls where he gets to use his body right that's to why you lock out the defender that's why you're a slant, cuz he's going to box the guy out and then you you hit him at the 2-yard line and you hope that he muscles his way for the last 2 yards yeah like that's that's exactly that's what that's he does that's the exact route that they should have run i don't and that was just one of many bewildering offensive play calls for your Seattle Seahawks. What about two plays before that? Uh maybe one play,
1: the drawn up screen to CJ Prosize in the middle of the field basically taking that away ran, like all the time off the yes, clock. Yes. Take it took 20 seconds off the clock. Like yeah, and that, you could tell that's the play they wanted too. Yeah, that was a drawn up play. If we run a different play, we have much more time. We have three shots at the end zone. CJ got
2: loose for 40 yards on one catch earlier in the game on a not entirely dissimilar type of situation but to expect to catch lightning in a bottle like that twice
0: with that much on the line was sloppy and we irresponsible just didn't have time to do that and i don't understand like at that point like why aren't we running just outs and corners on every play trying to get eight yards at a time because most most teams will give you eight yards over and over until you get into range to try to score so just take those, take those eight yards over and over and try to get entrenched to score and get out of bounds. Don't run these plays in the middle of the field.
2: Well, and they clearly were not calling picks. So run a pick. See if they have the balls to call it on you.
1: Yeah, like I at didn't...
2: some point in the second half, they should have just run a pick and seen if they'd have called it.
1: Well, as you said right there, <laughs> try and run a pick play. You mentioned how we did not put Jimmy Graham outside. Daryl Bevel, I had this analogy last week, and I forgot to mention it, but you know, for all the bitching on Daryl Bevel, he's basically the velociraptors in the first Jurassic Park movie, like he's throwing stuff at the electric fence, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. Why did the Seahawks spend two and a half quarters, not the first half, the first half, and then half of the third quarter, testing the bounds of this New Orleans defense, this New Orleans defense that is awful, that gives up something like thirty two points a game. That, why, why did we do that? Why didn't we just have a better game plan? I know
0: Russ is injured, but it made zero sense to me. That speaks more to the ineptitude of our offense. Remember, because Russell Wilson was such a threat to run before, we basically get to play against 10 defenders all the time. Okay, the Seahawks offense. And it makes up for the fact that our offensive line makes less money total than most of the leagues. Cornerback safeties, whatever. Pick your position, right? Yeah. Like, there's just it's a very underpaid group. So it's the cheapest it's, we group. We can't in the we can't hide behind Russell's legs anymore. He's just he's too banged up, or he's too afraid that he's going to die before he can provide for his child. That because Sierra's pregnant, I don't know exactly. Because the three runs he had in this game, he looked fine. Yeah, three I, for eleven. He looked a little
2: cumbersome, but he said he felt better without the ankle brace. He felt a little less bulky.
0: And I just think I think that he either needs to get more healthy. Or he needs to regain the confidence. I think it's a confidence issue as much as anything else. They don't feel confident in Russell's ability to run. So we have two options. We're at kind of a crossroads here. It's it's time to either trade for a tackle, which that's option A. Which, which is too no late. longer on the table. That's which now we have passed Monday. So it is over. So now we're at option B, which means Russell needs to run or our offense is going to never... It's going to be a chore for us to move the ball for the rest of the season. Is that because
1: Daryl Bevel can't adjust his offense? There's just not,
0: I just don't think the tools are there along the offensive line. I don't think it matters what Bevel does. And I'd, I'd like to place the game solely at his feet. You know, and I'm really frustrated about calling up fade to jury main curse, but like those, those things, you know, that's little stuff and it's one play out of 50. He's never going to, it's not going to matter very much because the offense is going to struggle to move the ball at every impasse if with this offensive line.
2: But I don't know if you're along the lines of me, but what the way I feel is they get frustrated when C-Mike's only getting three and a half yards per carry in the first and second quarter when the run's being established. And Marshawn used to do the same thing, but there is this faith that eventually Marshawn was going to yeah, we punish teams in punish the second them. half, right? And there's not
1: that commitment to the run. They only ran 19 total offensive plays in the first half. Kevin, you can't even say we did that with Sean Alexander, the most unpunishing back in the league. I, you know I refuse to say we punished people with shotguns. <laughs> <And> I mean, <laughs> we Pro-S- might have embarrassed a few.
0: ProSize, Pro-Size got uh, four rushes for 23 yards. So, yeah. I mean, like, in total, like, we should have just ran the ball more.
2: Well, and ProSize had a long of eight, and C Mike had a long of 10. So it's not even like they had these big runs that were inflating the numbers. You know, the four and a half yards per carry they were averaging combined was a legitimate hand the ball to them, you're getting between three and five yards. That's that's moving the ball, you know. You do that on first or second down, and you pick your places to take your shots. And the cornerbacks, as we've talked about, are less than impressive. We didn't work the field with the middle of the field with Jimmy Graham. We really didn't work Doug Baldwin a lot. No, I felt like the route combinations
0: being run were uninspired. It's just because it's the 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 coaching staff has no faith that the line will give the play any time to develop. So everything has to be gone in one or two seconds. Yeah, and like another thing too is Russell waited too long to throw the ball in the last play of the game. Can I go back to this? Nah, Why yeah. do you take a three-step drop on a ten-yard route? Like, take one step, plant your foot, and throw the ball. If you had three more qu- yards, when that good been a good quarterback's throw, throw a fade. They don't take a three-step drop on from that close. You know, they they take one step, they throw the ball, and they. But I mean. How often does Russ throw the fade, though? He, he doesn't throw fades, and he especially doesn't throw fades to Jermaine Curse. So that's part of the problem. It's just such fades. a weird, his fades are across
1: ball. his body to the left side of the field usually. Yeah, and why not 20 and yards like 40 out? Yards. And also, yeah.
0: like, why not throw that pass to Graham? If you're gonna throw, if you're gonna throw a one-on-one fade, get it to anyone, literally anyone else.
2: Uh, yeah, or pull just a boot right. West Coast offense, boot right,
0: tight yep. end, drag across the back of the end zone. Dra- or one wide right receiver dragging across the back of the end zone, one guy posted up in the front of the end zone, so the safety has to make a choice, and another guy running a slant, yeah. And if you look, the boot right actions were working solidly. We
2: didn't use them a lot, but there were a couple... I thought three rushes for 11 yards were fine, but the more impressive thing to me was Russ looked more mobile in the pocket than he has in about three or four weeks.
1: Yeah, that was that was a positive
0: from the game. Do you... Okay, can we talk about... Defensive line rotations a little bit. Do you care about if we kind of switch back and forth just between? No, I'll go for it. I think this is fun. Let's Defense. do it. This game was terrible. Okay. Let's Defe- just get de- what we can. Defensive line rotations are really thin right now because of uh the injuries, right? Michael We're playing guys like Silver two, Silaga and stuff just because like we have to spell people at some point. Yeah, and it's it's getting. It's McDaniel got hurt. Yeah, Bennett. Bennett. Sounds like he might miss significant time, maybe even up to the rest of the season. They're saying two or three weeks for arthroscopic, but it depends on what they find, always. Yeah, and it's like you never know what could happen when they go in there. Like it's, it's like, yeah, it could be he could be back in three weeks. He also could be back never. You know, it's they just don't know, and that, that's really worrying. And I, I think thanks, Jake that's, Matthews. That's some, and then missing Cam Chancellor for another week. I think did not help in this game. Uh, The kicking game had another... Remember how good
1: Cam has been all year?
2: McCray had 10 tackles. He played about as well as he can. Yeah. But he's
0: just not as good of a cog in this defense as Cam is. Well, I mean, you can just... The person that put in Hightower ran for 102 (laughs) yards on us, and it's because... When our defense is not as intimidating with Kelsey McRae as the 10th guy in the box as it is with Cam Chancellor. As the it tenth
2: was 26 guy. carries to get there though. So, yeah, a, we made it work for, for
0: it, but it's still, you know, we don't generally allow 100 yard rushers. That's no. not, that's not a Seahawks thing. And this is, this is, uh, this is the week where they got, they got to us, you know, they yeah. really, they put, they, they did what we usually do, which is put, push the ball, punt, put the ball on the ground. Are in the running backs hands over and over and over. And eventually you're going to get something, make something happen. Yeah. It was death by paper
2: cuts too. I mean, uh, Michael Thomas had six catches for 63.
0: Yeah. They had no Sneed receiver. had six up. for 56. Yeah. Cooks had
2: four for 44. Uh,
0: Fleener had four for like 40 something. Killer stats though. The third downs, the comparison of their third downs ratio versus ours. They went nine for 15. We went five for 11 and they're nine for 15 too. That in, that includes a couple that they got gifted to us by penalties. You know, where we gave them a first down off of a penalty. Two third downs. Yeah, and I just... Like, there's so many... The defense had more chances to get off the field. And a lot of people are pointing to the time of possession, like, oh, look, the defense just got trapped on the field forever again. But they had chances to get off the field and just didn't. And it was just... I don't know. The whole game was... It was a weird game. We had a million penalties. Uh, It was a 10
2: o'clock game, a time zone away, which we
1: didn't really talk about or think about, but that
2: can be a factor especially with a team like Seattle that's
1: struggling looking back at this game it makes sense that you know you're not going to win every game and and last season there were there were games that we just let slip away but to lose to the Rams nine to three it's like you can't you can't stop a field goal you can't kick a field goal you can't do anything no it's because Russ was injured and we weren't running the ball to tie the Cardinals like you can't get that field goal okay that's kind of funny like just a funny game. This game was a game that, you know, you can look at like, okay, it's a high powered offense going to the East Coast morning game. It's going to happen. But man, this was another that, game we had. We had this game.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that it all kind of started at the end of the first half where like that weird field goal play. And I, I thought like, oh, it's, it's really going to turn right here. We're about to kick a field goal. We're about to go up four. We're going to get some of that. Yeah. It seems like we, our offense really turned it around right here. And then, all that air got sucked out of the balloon because the, just the bad, bad snap. snap. And uh, I don't know. I Which co-
1: real great play by John Ryan, by the way. Yeah. That could have, th- that could have been a big it score. was yeah. awesome. He, like, I'm, like, awesome. I, I, people ask, like, what is he doing? I'm like, you, you don't realize how awesome John Ryan is. He's he, being a ninja warrior. He could have, yeah. He, <laughs> he could have just saved the team, you know, from letting seven points go right there. Right. Yeah. yeah get
0: six going the other way. But that play, that play was hurt. And I think. I felt like we were working our way towards okay. We're going to go up four. We're going to probably have like be at like sixty to seventy percent win expectancy, uh, and then I don't know. Just it. I, don't, I felt like they they came out hot in the second half, and we we kind of yeah sputtered from that, that point forward. Second. Also, half- we only would have needed a field goal to win at the end of the game if we had those three points too.
2: Well, in that end of the half drive, they pulled out that quick passing offense. And we're throwing to the outside a little bit more. That was when a lot more of the passes to Baldwin was were happening, and that drive really functioned on quick, well-designed pass plays that we then chose to just not run the rest of the game.
0: All right. He threw uh, short left to Baldwin, deep left to Curse, short left to Curse. Like I mean, it was three straight really. Oh, and short middle to Graham. Like we went, we had three or four straight really good pass plays, and. uh Yep, and it just, that's, uh, that's what yep. happens, I guess. We ran four plays of an Andy Reid offense, and then we we're like, oh, we're done. <laughs> Check out. Well, then we came out in the, the other thing that's weird is we came out in the second half, and it goes, Michael off tackle for nine yards, Michael left guard for seven yards, Michael right guard for eight yards, Michael right guard for ten yards, and then ProSize for seven. And then we ran two more times, ProSize and then Wilson. And that we got another first down, and then it's pass incomplete, Christian Michael Fernandes. I'm going to stop you for a quick second here. Like, you just named half of the running back carries that this yeah. game had. I was going to say, yep. we came out in the third quarter, then we get three points out of this drive, and then if you look at the rest of the drives in the second half, we barely run. Like, the fourth quarter drive, the beginning of the fourth quarter drive, where we got 21-yard field goal, we threw so much.
2: Yeah, they were playing like we were down by 20, and we were down by a touchdown. And...
0: and we had the lead in this game also, too, and we fourth, didn't play fourth like or it. Fourth and three on the three. Like, is, is, uh, is Papa Carroll trying to kill me with this, uh, kick in the 21 yard field goal? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, he just couldn't believe in the defense holding him.
0: <sighs> if it was for the lead, I get it. But it was to go down by two. I, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like a. It was a two score game. <laughs> like, I just, just, Score the touchdown, and if you don't, then pin them back and get the ball back. You know, like, I don't know. I didn't. I did not like the call. By win probability, it wasn't good. Thinking
2: about the strengths of this team, it wasn't good. But I guess at least it wasn't
0: a fade to curse on fourth and three from the three. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna try to find that play and see how much it changed the win expectancy. It. Oh, it changed us from. We were before it happened we were 64% to lose our 60, 65 and after we were 66% it got worse our win expectancy went down after that play cuz they got the ball back oh yep, we goodness. scored 3 points and lost win expectancy uh, i just can't <laughs> handle it it was a rough game it's a rough game for me to watch on a number of levels
2: yeah i mean highlights uh Clark and Averill both got a sack playing a lot of snaps against mm-hmm. a team that doesn't really give up a lot of sna- uh, a lot of sacks because Drew Brees is really smart. I mean, he was 27-35 for 265, 7.5 yards. If you think about it, that really is holding Drew Brees in check.
0: Let's be honest, though. Highlight of the game, Earl Thomas hugs the referee. Absolutely. And gets a flag. Oh, I mean, I don't even care about the flag. That was totally worth it.
1: Yeah, uh, the unhighlight of the game we've already mentioned, but what about a... You know Earl missing that tackle on the on the big play by Hightower, twenty eight yard run. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a lot of people are giving Earl a bunch of crap for that. I think this defense is getting gassed. I mean they're on the field so much. I don't Earl doesn't make bonehead plays like that. I think Earl was gassed and I I don't know if he had the energy for a wrap tackle at that point.
0: Yeah, I thought the swarm tackling looked pretty decent in this game. So I yeah I'm not a. I'm not going to be down on tackling. I, Bobby Wagner had 11 tackles in this game, and the, the swarm tackling was really strong. Uh, I just think that, yeah, you're right. They they're on the field too much, and also we're asking Earl Thomas to be football Jesus out there, and he basically is. Yeah. But I mean, he can't, he's not going to make every play, you know? It's, Especially when he's on the field, he can only all save day. our team so many times before we need to have someone yeah. else do it. And when we're missing Cam Chancellor and Michael Bennett, who are our other usual superheroes, then that's that makes it tough. Yeah. Uh, can we put a wrap on this game? Anything Never. else? Let's talk about Travis Cater- Cadet. No, Travis Cadet. Traveris Cadet. <laughs> Let's talk about Nick or Tanner McAvoy's throw.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. That was uh, that the was best offensive highlight. play of the night. Yeah. yeah 43 yard, 43 yard. Throws. I love that throw
2: just because when you have a former quarterback who's kind of a gadget player like that, you should have that play in your playbook. How? Why not?
0: And he's huge too, six foot six. Yeah. Like, so no one sees it coming. They're like, "Why is that offensive lineman throwing the ball?" Wait, wait, what's that big? What's that big tight end? Blocking tight end doing? Wait, what that guy's a wide receiver? Oh wait, that guy used to be a quarterback. Just- <laughs> the thing is, that was <laughs> no such one an sees it coming. Instantaneous play. It looked
1: like it didn't need to be a gadget play. Like maybe Russ could have just thrown that fade to the right because it wasn't there wasn't a lot of developing time on that play. No, but it was fun. It was... Oh, I'm not disputing that, but I'm just...
2: This is why uh, undrafted free agents love
1: coming here. This is why Daryl Bevel is an offensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, I actually... Like, I don't want to give Bevel too much stick. He doesn't have a lot to work with because of this offensive line. He has to be really creative to try to get things going.
2: Or he could just run the ball.
0: I mean, he could just hand it off to Michael and hope for the best. I wouldn't mind it, but it... Let's try it he's, once. He's trying to create explosive plays, which is what coach carroll likes he likes the toxic differential plays and so i understand why he's doing what he's doing it's just it's hard to watch because this offense is just sluggish um tyler and- lockett got back on the board four catches for four four catches on four uh, attempts i want to see him get the ball more on those short routes because those are basically runs and he looked a little faster catches. not
2: as explosive but he seemed to have at least some of his straight lines back. Uh,
0: paul richardson was back two catches on three uh targets i like paul richardson i i would love to see these guys getting more of the snaps that curse gets um, just yeah, we've been lamenting that share, for a while A yeah. better share of uh, the, the amount of snaps Because curse is on the field for 85% of snaps was just feels like too much to me And I can't stress this enough Paul Richardson
2: has the kind of speed Where if he ever gets put on a linebacker Or a bigger safety You don't have to wait for the play to develop Russ just, just needs to throw it deep
0: throw it And let
2: Richardson run under it Yep, He is he's, that kind of fast So
0: fast Um, we're still rostering Will Tokwafu. Did you know that? Yep. Yeah, we re-rostered him. Uh...
2: He blocked on the Kristen Michael uh, running touchdown. So, that's the thing.
0: George Fant's... This is the last thing we should talk about. George Fant's first game at left tackle since Pee Wee.
1: It wasn't much
2: worse than Bradley Sowell, actually.
1: He got better as the game went on. I wanted to talk Fant, because he looked better as the game went on. I'll say it twice.
0: All right. The first time he plays against a good pass rusher, he's going to get his... Lunch Murdered. Container. This no is, is true. It's going to be a bloodbath. But I thought he played a better the, game than Gary Gilliam against the league average. Against the league average defensive ends of the world, he's not going to make us lose the game any more than the rest of our mediocre offensive line. And they're saying Soul <laughs> might actually be back this week. I, I actually would be for it. I, so I think Soul Sol would have done better than Fant did against that bad defensive line. Soul is functioning.
2: Fant. He just, you could tell he has no footwork. He yep. doesn't know how to move on the line.
0: Yeah. Soul is journeyman status to the max. Like, he's great as a depth tackle. I like the guy's spirit. I think I want to have him on our team next year. I just don't want him to be a starter. He is I, a replacement I, level, and I, that's
2: not a bad guy to Ross. roster. I
0: want him to play on our team for ten years as a backup tackle and make a ton <laughs> of money and retire to whatever he likes. Run a bar but in. I window. don't want him to appear in more than ten games in those ten years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, no, no harm. He's just he is. The more starts he makes, the worse your he life. He kind of is what he is, you know. And I think he's he's good, and he has good footwork. He's just a little slow and. He doesn't have the raw athletic talent that he probably needs to make it as a top tier NFL tackle, but I like his passion and I, I want him to just, I want him to be around as a backup. I Gilliam, really, really Gilliam, like him. I, Gilliam, honestly, at this point, take him or leave him. I don't, I don't, I thought that coming into the season, he could be a special tackle because of his athleticism. And I am more than willing to admit I'm, I am completely wrong. Because his athleticism disappeared. No. I don't know what's wrong with him. Yeah. He just seems he just seems awful.
2: He can bend and flex, but if you look, he constantly ends up putting his body in awkward positions. Yeah. He's Absolutely. reaching or punching. He just seems to have
1: no instinct or field awareness he like, for playing tackle. He looked like Justin Britt playing last year right tackle. Like he when or I'm sorry right where he just gets beat yeah, off where the he line just, on every play like he, and people yeah. get around him and you know
0: different reasons
1: but I completely agree yeah just getting beat off the line it, on every the exact. result looks the, the same. result looks the same and yeah because
2: I was about to say Britt always had that punch
1: well yeah and I and, uh, Gilliam
2: and Gilliam doesn't but Gilliam, Gilliam, Gilliam also punch. can move it's just yeah. Gilliam he, he kind of gets like, his. Upper body out over his lower body too much, and he just he
0: always looks off balance. Right, it was just always running backwards into the quarterback from yeah. the start of the play because he was Gil- just too slow. Whereas, whereas Gilliam, it's like he's always trying to catch up because he saw he's, all, he's yeah, made Gilliam's a mistake. Olaying yeah.
1: the Olaying the defensive uh, end. Yep, uh, yeah,
0: it's the same result though. Defensive end is crushing into Russ almost. Yeah, any speed rush, it's just like Olay. And the and the thing is, is a, a Fetty no longer. I, I don't know. Efedi is up and down, and he's a rookie, and it makes sense. Yeah. And he was a raw project, and we're starting him in a position he didn't play in college. And there's so many reasons that that it's not really working as good as I would have hoped. And he's been playing solid, but you can basically give him about an Okung number of boneheaded mistakes per game. And the question still remains, how bad must Jamarcus Webb be in practice? <laughs> because um, if it's as bad as he is in game... Because we haven't seen him yet in a in a regular season game, have we? And
2: yeah, he was playing for uh, a Afehti when Afehti was. Oh
0: yeah, but I mean at tackle, and yep. and we have not seen him at tackle in a game yet. And I just it makes me wonder, you know, is it, on a scale of one to ten, it must be <laughs> it must just be a nightmare out there.
1: All right, uh, wait before we go to the Buffalo Bills game, I want to address two things. Uh, questions for both of you, uh, and Nathan, you can maybe stop this question right now. We are under the salary cap right now? Yeah. Okay. We being the Seahawks. Not the Seahawks Nest. We're over the salary cap. Uh Why did we not make a trade for a tackle, do
0: you guys think?
2: Neither of the tackles got traded, so I think that partially answers that question.
0: I think we weren't willing to give up what they asked for, which I think both teams are probably asking for a solid second rounder that turns into a first rounder if you make the playoffs or something like that. Really, and I think the Seahawks felt like that wasn't worth it because we're almost certainly going to make the playoffs at this point. Our division looks pretty bad. Yeah. Um and so we're going to get make the playoffs probably at like 10-5 and 1 or 11-4 and 1, one of those two records.
1: And it's uh if you're getting like the 25th, 26th overall yeah, pick, that's so they, like so a second round. Pick. We're
0: giving up a 26th overall pick, but you like that fourth year team control. You like the ability to draft a guard and push uh a back out to tackle, right tackle, a long term or to draft another project tackle to put next to him, which I'm fine with if you really believe in Tom Cable. At this point, I don't, but I obviously uh, Pete Carroll does. I mean, I don't need any more years of evidence to see that Tom Cable can make a offensive line pr- run a zone blocking system really well, but cannot teach a group of guys how to pass block. He's never had a pass blocking unit in the top 20 except for once in his entire career as an offensive line coach. I went back and looked. And so... Wow. And I mean, yes, sometimes his quarterback was Jamarcus Russell, and I'm more than willing to give him some of the blame, but Jamarcus Russell had a hell of an arm and was a great athlete, and so there's- n- In warm weather. <laughs> sure, but he played in California on a baseball field. So, <laughs> 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 crossover joke. Okay, so, but uh yeah, so at some point you have to say, like, he's good at some things and not at others, right? We have to acknowledge he has weaknesses. Yes. Okay, and people have said for a long time, he's the best offensive line coach in the league. No. He's not. The Redskins coach is the best offensive line coach in the league. Or maybe Denver's coach. Someone else's offensive line coach is good. I think it's... Honestly, I think it's whatever's happening in Washington. Or that really old guy.
2: I can't think of his name right now for New England. Because the, they have patchwork and they make it where are at Yeah,
0: because Washington right now is running the hell out of the ball. And they have Matt Jones as their running back. <laughs> and like Chris Thompson. It's it's a skeleton crew over there. Yeah, absolutely. And they are moving the ball on the ground. And that's the sign of a of a... Really great offensive coach. And we have patchwork, and we're not doing anything on offense. So I'm not sure. But again, how much of that is... I'm nervous. How much of that's opportunity, though? Like, again,
2: I believe if you look back in games where C-Mike got at least 18 carries, those are our wins. And where he got less than 18 carries, those are our losses and bad games. And I think it is that cut and
0: dry. Well, I mean, they, I, and on some level, Pete Carroll doesn't have as much faith in Christian Michael as maybe we do. Because he talks all the time in interviews about how the offense is different since, uh, since we don't have Rawls. He's like, there are players, he says it all the time, there are players missing from our team that we had last year that we don't have this year. He is talking about Thomas Rawls. There's no way he's talking about the guy that's in Denver now. Well, JR Swoosey, Okum, yeah, no, maybe that sweezy factor. No way he's talking about. It. He's talking about Rawls. Get How Sweezy in here. And, uh, uh, so I mean, and maybe he's right. I don't know. I don't think Rawls and Christian Michael have looked significantly different. They both look like one cut athletic runners to me. Rawls, Rawls runs. Rawls runs a guy over better than Christian Michael. Yeah, Rawls is more. A Rawls bruiser. is willing
2: to run a guy over. Christian Michael, Michael. Christian loves Michael loves out out gets
0: gets free in space though. Yep. If you give him room, he will go. So I don't know they're di- they're a little different, but they're very I mean,
2: complementary backs in that way, though.
0: Yeah, but except for and Michael's actually really good at blocking in the passing game. Yes, I've been very impressed with his blocking to the point where. I wonder where this was the rest of his career because he was terrible at it. It's before. a senior on
1: the back of the jersey. We already discussed. This. Oh yeah, he's a senior now. Okay, he's mature. Second question because I want to move on to the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be
0: our game. longest podcast ever, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're uh, really, really digging into this loss. You can you can answer this. Uh, this is just going over the the ineptitude of our offense with bad long snapper snaps. I know we couldn't. We didn't want to pay our long snapper that we've had for a few years because his minimum salary is a little high. Yes, we're under the salary. Have, that's why we have a different long snap. Yes, next year. We are under the salary cap. Why can't we bring this guy back? What's the problem? Are we just what? Stubborn. Whatever? Stubborn. Th- I'll uh, take we that We don't answer. want
0: dead cap space on the cap next year. It's like stuff like that. Okay. Is it I think have... it's
2: the dead cap space probably because we need that flexibility next year with Bennett's contract and everything else. Yeah. Okay. If we're
0: going to re-sign Bennett and potentially sign an offensive lineman or a cornerback, which I think are both areas the team feels like they need players, uh, I don't necessarily agree with the cornerback assessment at this point. I think with uh, safety, safety, Tyvis Powell coming along, I, uh, that took me a second to come up with that one. Tyvis Powell coming along and all, and Kelsey McRae coming along and all this stuff. I think the secondary actually could be fine with just the guys we have now if everyone can stay healthy. Yeah. Even, even if one guy gets hurt, I think with just Chancellor Hurt, it's still a very good secondary unit. It's still a great defense. Chancellor and Bennett being hurt is rough, man. Yeah, and we're fifth against the pass and second against the run. Yeah, so it's... I mean, we're still... And we... You know what? New Orleans, the offense has been very efficient so far this year. And we held them to 25 points and not... They did not look great. They looked good. And we put their running back in fumble jail. So, so, I mean, we did some stuff in this game. I just... uh, I just worry... That the team feels that outside cornerback is a priority, and we're going to spend seven million of our ten million dollars that we have available, or whatever, on a second corner, and then we're going to have three million dollars left over to sign some veteran journeyman tackle who's not really that good, and looking at with Bradley Soul.
2: <laughs> And looking at this draft, I really, really hope it's not the case because corner is a position to strengthen the draft. And tackle is the opposite.
0: It would be nice to sign a tackle in free agency and make a corner, get a corner in the third round of the draft. You know, spend a high draft pick and then also get a rotation pass rush. These are three things we need: rotation pass rusher, uh, a guy who doesn't have to be good good at rushing the passer, but just a guy who can be in on pass rush downs and not be terrible. Uh, uh, Or just like a a Cassius
2: Marsh whose hands don't always wander to helmets.
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then maybe like a, a cornerback that can play on the outside on third downs and as many offensive tackles as they can get into camp next year. Yeah. That's what, that's really what we need. And then we are a Super Bowl contender. No, no contest. And with the
2: exception of tackle, those are things that you find in the draft. And I'm hoping I mean, John Schneider has been good in the draft. He's made a lot of good decisions. I'm hoping that he trusts his analysis and sees the same thing I do. Cause I think those are things that should be addressed there.
0: One question. Are you guys willing to cut Jimmy Graham loose to get more offensive linemen, or do you think Jimmy Graham is good enough to be worth keeping?
1: I want, we need an offensive line, and I want a better offensive
0: line. Cause that's a lot we of, we had, can get a lot of money back. In, during during in the, the Super Bowl year, we still had our agency. offensive line woes. And Who are you giving me? I don't know. Um, do you want me to look up the list of offensive tackles that are available next year? Oh. Yeah. To give you an idea of uh what we can what we can work with. Okay, give me thirty seconds. So talk, really, talk about your dream who's your who's your dream player that we could get.
2: So I want an offensive tackle who we can sign on a decent like three, four year deal um and expect to get longevity out. So I'm I'm
1: looking for under thirty. Yeah. You want like a three you want a guy we're gonna have for okay. three years. And I want so a left
0: tackle. Nate Solder.
1: And to, to give us the teams they play that's for now. Tackle, that's left
0: tackle for New England. Uh, Greg Robinson who is unequivocally terrible. We're not going to skip that. Uh, Jake Matthews. which eh. He he tried to Taylor kill Michael Blanc. Bennett. Tennessee. I like him. Uh, He's 20, he's 20, uh, 24. He's
2: going to be, he's still under contract. He was, this is he only is like a, his third
0: year. He is a unrestricted free agent after this year. Oh. He's 25. Was he not a first round he pick? He was an RFA. He was uh, round one, 11th overall. I don't know. Oh wow, he was just drafted a lot longer ago than I remember. 20, 2014, yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah. I like Taylor Luan. I think that would be a great pickup. I think us. that'd be a good pick. And he's a good run blocker. Uh, yeah, Nate Solder, that's the other guy that has a lot of experience that's relatively young. Um, I like Solder. I'd like Luan. Uh, get them both. We're done. <laughs> I wish. There's no way we can afford that though. Those guys are going to go. Sol Solder will probably like go for million. somewhere in the neighborhood of ten million and I La- like Luan because he will he'll go be, for less. Luwan will go
2: for like eight to ten, probably. Will we have to cut Graham to get Luwan?
0: Probably if we depending on how much money Bennett makes, yeah. I mean, what
1: what's the use in having Jimmy Graham if A we're not gonna use him, B, we don't have the time to throw to him?
2: I think Jimmy Graham would restructure for slightly less.
1: I wonder about that. He seems to like it here and he's not a diva and who knows if, you know, we don't know these people.
0: Hey, maybe we just do this. Maybe we do what other teams try to do where we sign Greg Robinson and we try to make him our reclamation project. I wouldn't be against that. Don't we do that all the time? Greg Robinson would be better than what we have. I mean, Greg Robinson has physical tools. He just has looked awful (laughs) for his entire career, (laughs) but his coach is Jeff Fisher. So that doesn't help. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's what we, uh, that's what we try. I, I don't know. All right, well, all right.
1: I want to go into the Bills game. Let's move on. To yep. the I want to Buffalo talk about lap Bills. bands. I want to talk about
2: nobody circles the lap bands. Nobody with the Buffalo Bills. Like all right.
0: Well, you want to know the strength of the Buffalo Bills offense? The run making people miss in the open field. Uh, they do run a lot. They run actually like we did last year. They run a lot of read options. They run a lot. I think they're first in open field rank. Do you know what the Seahawks are best in the league at? Uh tackling in the Ta- of tackling the open field, yeah. We're number ranked number one. We it's allow the swarm least, tackling. We allowed the least open field yardage in the entire league. So uh I don't think that that's gonna work very good for them. And I expect this game to be ugly. Uh do you know Get what... ready to get on the struggle bus, guys? <laughs> do Gosh. you know
2: what the uh the one of the weaker aspects of the Bills defense is?
0: Uh is it uh, let me, wait, let me think. Is
2: it pass protection? It's, uh, defending runs oh. to the left. Actually, or excuse me, defending runs
0: to the right. Actually, really good at
2: TV. And uh, defending wide receiver ones. Oh, um, yeah, they are have bad Baldwin, wide receiver We have Doug Baldwin and we run to the right.
0: Yeah, wide receiver runs 30th, 24 22nd versus tight ends, 24th versus all non number two wide receivers. Yeah. We going to be, we might be able to throw a little bit. This mm. is a, actually, if we can keep Russell Wilson off
2: his back, this is actually a pretty good matchup for us, well, but this team is yeah. their second in pre, in a adjusted sack rate in the NFL.
1: That's what I was gonna say. That's, That's dangerous. When when you said what do they, what do the Buffalo Bills' offense do well, and and can we keep Russell on his feet? <laughs> like, let's let's go over their pass rush. Who I mean, yeah, they.
2: I know they have. Twenty six sacks on the season. That's brutal. They, that allow tied for first, of, I believe,
0: they allow a lot. a lot of pressures, and they make a lot of pressures. They're it's balanced. They're they're nice and balanced like that.
1: Who are their Who are their top uh, defensive ends and defensive linemen, linebackers? The guys doing the damage. You
2: won't know any of them if I tell you. That's why. That's why I want you to tell me. Uh, Gone, gone uh, is Mario Williams. Lorenzo Alexander, I believe, is their top sack guy. He's a linebacker, like journeyman. He was on the Redskins. Um, He's,
1: yeah. I looked. I looked through this roster earlier, and I was like, I got to ask Kevin about this.
0: Okay, so the Buffalo Bills. Uh,
2: did they get, Ty- did they get Lawson back yet Kyle, or is he injured they have still? That's Kyle
0: Williams. Uh, so, so the Buffalo Bills, they run the, the old, the old 3-4, you know, everyone's favorite. The defense. classic Ryan 3-4. And yeah, Lorenzo Alexander has nine sacks this year. Which I, we talked about this the other day. Yes. We did on the other podcast. I said, it's weird that Lorenzo Alexander is first in the <laughs> league in sacks because he only has like 18 career sacks. And half of them are this year. And half of them are this year. Yeah. And so, then, do they have uh, Lawson back yet at defensive end? Uh, they do not. Okay. Kyle Williams, Marcel Darius, and Adolphus Washington are the front part of their three. They just got
2: Marcel Darius
0: back, and he's a good pass rushing defensive tackle. But, but he's three, not huge. In a three-four, the number of passing, the number of pass rushing defensive tackles that you can count on a three-four, there's one ever. It's JJ Watt. No, it's Warren Sapp. A defensive. Lots well, a defensive end, but it's hard. No, to No, he is a defensive tackle. I mean, he's a he's just <laughs> look a, at him. He's an animal. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the the that's just it's Im- almost impossible to rush from that position. Your job is to fill space. Yeah, and I mean, he's good at that. So good job by him. Yeah. But we have Britt and Effetti, who are literally brick walls. I do think Britt. That's a good matchup. Britt for us. can probably go one v one against them um, all game when try to make it happen there.
1: Kyle Williams is really adept at stopping the run. And yep, that's, and
0: that's what you want your deep, that's what you want your deep, your, uh, your defensive ends in a 3-4 to do. Cause they're like, they're basically like outside defensive tackles. Yeah. And you just want them to, to fill space. The whole point of the 3-4 is it's really, really good at stopping the run because you have three guys that clog up the line and then your linebackers get to run through open spaces and fill open gaps. And so you want to draw, you want your, all your guys on the line, you want them to draw double teams. That's the goal. Okay. Yeah. You like, can also disguise the blitz really well. If you could put four. two yep. Michael
2: Correct. Bennetts on defensive end on a 3-4, you feel good about that. Yeah.
0: Anybody who can play like in a 4-3 on the inside and outside like Bennett would be amazing in a 3-4, in a even though they probably wouldn't get as many sacks. Because I know J.J. Watt plays in a 3-4, so maybe people think like, oh, it's possible to get sacks from a defensive end. What J.J. Watt does in that defense is unprecedented. Yeah, okay, I cannot stress this enough. It is unreal how much disruption he gets from an inside defensive end position in a 3-4. And don't expect anything like that in this game. I mean, they're, they're gonna have a lot of trouble, uh, doing it. A player that they have that's pretty cool though, they have Shaq Lawson. And, uh. Yeah, that's what I was asking about. Yeah, Shaq Sorry, Lawson. Sorry, he plays linebacker there. He's a yeah, like he defensive end in Clemson. And, he, and so that's what I was thinking And they'll about. probably, they'll probably work him in on some passing downs because I don't think that, they think that Shaq Lawson can do anything except pass rush right now. So I would. And he's working
2: back from injury. He had a pretty gnarly preseason. And he was a
0: defensive, end. he's a 4-3 defensive end in college. So yeah. it, it's kind of different to play 3-4 outside linebacker, uh, in this system. Um, their defense is, is like, it's like the journeyman plus defense where they, it's better than the defense we faced last week, which was the journeyman minus defense, <laughs> but it's, this defense is—they're like fifteenth against the pass and sixteenth against the run. You know, they're right in the middle of the pack. They I just I, I punish with, the I quarterback. numbers—is that close? Yeah, they're. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're seventeenth uh, in defensive DVOA, eighteenth against the pass, fifteenth against the
0: run. Yep, so they're really super close. mediocre. Oh uh, yeah, so like the, it's the journeyman plus defense. Like they have the, good—they <laughs> they have decent players. You know, none of these guys are are terrible. Who's their top corner? But. Uh, Ronald Darby or Stephen Gilmore? Either. Wow! It's 100%. Stephen
2: Gilmore, and I heard the be- I saw the best burn on Reddit, and I have to share it. Okay, go ahead. So Stephen Gilmore shut down his um, I want to say it was his Instagram account and okay. deleted all the Bills content. <laughs> number one comment, first person off the thread said, "At least he found something he could shut down this year." Oh, oh, that was Ooh, so much. good, and it's true. I mean, they're the thirtieth ranked defense against number one wide right receivers, and he cannot cover anything and Doug Baldwin is a crafty crafty man. Yeah. I love him. Anytime you have a cornerback that is struggling to in coverage, Doug Baldwin, you know he's just munching up that tape all week going, "Oh, I can just do this." If we oh, can get if him I the do ball this on a scramble, break. I just
0: really hope that it it manifests itself in the game though because I would have thought that was true of last week too. We talked and, about this and it, it just never it came to fruition. It's like every guy got four catches, but no one really went crazy last week. Yeah. And they had some of the I like I said, Williams is probably the worst starting cornerback in the entire NFL. And that's we attacked him on the last play of the game. That sure worked <laughs> out really good. Uh their wide receivers are horrible. Uh we could talk about that. That you got Robert Robert Woods, Marquise Goodwin, Brandon Tate, and the recently re signed Percival Harvin. Percy Harvin, this is we talked about this before the we got a
1: lot the of podcast three and four receivers. That's a that's that's a troll move by by I don't Rex know, they Ryan. have a
0: lot of injuries. Yeah, uh, well, yeah they Goodwin might not play this week. Uh and Sammy Watkins Sammy Watkins is, is definitely not playing this dead. week. Still dead. Uh he's still he's still um, not among the living.
2: Woods is fine, but only if you have a Sammy Watkins. Right. Like he, Woods is curse.
0: Uh he's better than curse, but yes, I agree with what you're saying. He's not the guy that's going to beat you by himself. Yeah, he's become yeah. the number one wide receiver there, and it's not looking great. I mean, and there's, a reason, like there's a reason. There's a Robert Woods got drafted in the second round. He has talent, but he is never going to be a number one receiver. Is in the he NFL. like? uh Is he like the Bills' Nate Burleson? That's fair. Yeah. I like that. I like that comparison quite a bit. Nate Burleson, solid guy. He can be your number two wide receiver but if he's... If he's your number one, it doesn't say good things you're about in the trouble. offense. You're in trouble. Uh, well, uh,
2: Tyrod Taylor, not a super accurate
0: quarterback, 58.7%, only getting 6.4 yards per throw. But the, the way their offense works is they try to do what we do with Russell Wilson. They try to play 10 on, 10 on 11 all game because they're going to take one player out of the play by using the threat of Tyrod Taylor running. The difference is Tyrod Taylor is a significantly worse thrower than Russell Wilson. Yeah. But the concept is the same. And I think you're going to see the Bills try, do what we usually try to do: run the read option, uh, have the threat of Lashawn McCoy running behind Richie Incognito if
2: Lashawn McCoy can play, sure, because he's got a hamstring injury that he keeps All All right, so mm-hmm. the
1: threat, the threat of Reggie Bush of Mike Gillisey. No, yeah. I just wanted to make that Reggie Bush joke. Yeah. I've been waiting. Is Reggie Bush actually on their roster? Yes. Oh yeah, he's their wow. kick returner. Get ready, Oof. get ready for the Reggie Bush punt returns. And, and if f- you want to Pete see Carroll.
2: something really sad. Put on 2005 USC tape and watch that right before you watch the game. I know it's
0: like, and then think that that's the same guy. And Just think, and like, that's what injuries do and, to players. And yeah, I was gonna say, and just think, like, man, if they wouldn't have just ran this guy into the ground on a bunch of by trying to use him as a real running back, and just used him as a kick returner and like Playbaker. twelve snap, twelve snap a game gadget player, like that's the way he should. His whole career should have been like that. He should have been like. Better, he should have been better, Devin Hester, and instead, like yeah. people tried to feed him the rock and like make him a real running back, and it worked kind of because he's such a great athlete. But yeah. he's fragile; he's small. And
2: but he should have been splitting time with a bruiser and been getting like six or seven carries and like four receptions. Yeah, like oh, between four and six receptions, and at least one of them would go for like fifty yards and a touchdown every time.
1: Yeah,
0: because he was he was the best athlete. Just a college.
1: freak. Yeah, he was electric. So what is the biggest threat for the for the offense on the Buffalo Bills? Do you think it's a running game? Do you
0: think it's Tyrod Taylor?
2: Tyrod Taylor gets 40 yards a game. Look at these Dolphins.
0: So, on the ground? On the Look ground. At these Dolphins seasons. They ran him 200 times two years in a row. That's jerks. That's because the Dolphins hate the players. Selfish Dolphins, man. Well, the Dolphins don't know what they're doing. And the Detroit Lions ran him for 200 again the next year. And that was the man. year that killed him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was, was he on turf, probably? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and he uh, he got banged up a little that year, and he was never the same after that. Because he had a pretty good year that year, too. He had a lot of reception. Hey, Richie too.
0: Bush, we still we still know you won the Heisman, even if the NCAA won't recognize it. Yeah, even though you
2: had
1: to give it back. The
2: NCAA, much like the NFL, no one really pays attention when they say stuff. Yeah. Well,
1: See, when they took his Heisman, did they give it to anyone, or are they just like, We're, this is no, ours now? there's just no Heisman just that There's just no year. Heisman that
2: year. Nice. Because
1: that's how that works. Everyone forgot. It's like Men in Black. Speaking of Heisman,
2: <laughs> speaking
0: of Heisman, my boy Jabro Peppers doesn't win the Heisman this year. I'm boycotting college football forever.
2: Oh, that's a big threat. Both Nuts. games you watch. <laughs> hey, I wa- I've watched
0: like 12, 12- I because I try to watch Michigan games now because i this guy so much. And then I watch WSU games. And I watch U-Dubs games because they're good. And I, I like have a, for a guy who went to Washington State, I have a surprising soft spot for for UW football because I grew up in around Seattle. And... Well,
2: and it's more fun when they get to get to the rivalry game, and both of them are doing. Yeah, good.
0: If, if both those teams are undefeated going into the Apple Cup, man, that's going to be a fun week. To be the best, but, those are the
1: best Apple Cup. All
2: right, let's go ahead and finish this up because once we start talking Apple Cup, we must be done. Ah, yeah. uh, this I is think true. That's good. Let's get picks some for Buffalo the game. Picks. Uh,
1: somebody gonna, else go first. You're not going to
0: like my pick. All right. All right. I want to hear it first. Sixteen ten Seahawks. <laughs> That's not too much different. Than as long what as thinking. it ends with Seahawks, I'm all right with it. It's I, it, I'm telling you, it's going to be tough sledding. Get ready to get on the struggles. If Russell, but here's the thing: if Russell Wilson comes out and in the first drive runs a read option and runs it out for like ten yards, all bets are off. We could score fifty points. Yeah, like, I'm not joking. All bets are off. We could do anything. If, yeah, if, if Russell will but if he comes to... out and it's just the same as it was last week. All bets are on. <laughs> if Russell Wilson 16, comes 16. out and
2: read options, then it is directly better Bills versus Bills. Dude, that's yeah.
1: gonna be we are like,
0: we are just like them, but way better.
1: Yeah, it's going to be like Superman returning from you know his his time away from the planet. Like exactly. I don't it's know if that's ever going to happen this year. It's, it'd be great. Uh, I'm I'm going to go. I guess I'm the new Brett, but a level-headed Brett. I'm going to say twenty-three, twelve Seahawks. That's a
0: very level-headed Brett. Cause Brett just texted me his pick. <laughs> did he really? Or you? Brett just... <laughs> says fifty-six to three. See, no, he didn't text me. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> you no, know,
1: I think honestly, with the twenty-three to twelve, like I'd like to think that our offense is going to improve upon last week. Uh, that they're going to look a little better than they did, and maybe more like the Falcons. I think the Buffalo Bills will have an odd scoring game, a couple field goals, try and go for two and miss it. I think that's a realistic score. And I think a bit they, optimistic.
2: I think if they have Lashawn McCoy, they're going to score a couple of touchdowns, and so I'm going to assume that they will. I'm going. I think Rex Ryan's a dick, and he go for a two point conversion on the first touchdown. So
0: twenty to fifteen Seahawks. I was really hoping for twenty to ten. I'm not going to lie. I don't know why, but I was like trying to think twenty to ten. I was like, oh no, that's a good, good. That's a good score. I just
2: like that score, but I think twenty to fifteen. I think they had two touchdowns. We're we doing plugs
1: before moving. Yeah, we are.
0: And so I just want to do two levels of shout outs. Okay. One, I want to shout out to the people who like a lot of our stuff on Facebook and stuff. That's Brian G and Augustin. You guys uh, always are giving us uh, the a love, love on social media. And uh, if you want shout outs on this podcast, you know, just go like everything and I'll be sure to tell you tell people about it on this podcast because that's, a, that's how I roll. I want to, I want to, Reward our best community members. And then another shout out is to our Patreon subscribers. We've got We've got Josh representing Eagle River. Yeah, we got Josh. And Josh actually commented on my vi- my videos I'm making and we got Kim. And uh I've been making these uh YouTube videos where I break down single plays and uh actually sometimes more than one play. It depends on the concept I'm looking at. But uh I've been looking at plays and trying to break them down. And if you like that kind of stuff and you want to see that and uh other patreon exclusive content then uh go ahead and give give us a, a dollar <laughs> a dollar a month or there's other prizes on there you don't have to if you want one of those other things like you're like i want a t-shirt but i don't really want to give these guys 25 dollars a month don't just give us 25 dollars once we'll send you a t-shirt a sticker all that stuff and then go down to the one dollar level next month okay and then Stick with us. Yeah, you know, we're we're basically
1: mapping out how you can be a stickler, and it doesn't bother us because we do that stuff too. <laughs> we're just we're mapping it out for for everyone. You want to so. appear
0: on the podcast? Thirty one dollars. You get a t shirt. You get appear on the podcast. You get a sticker, and then after that, just go down to that $1.24 level, or go down to the three dollar level. Because let's be honest. You want to get in that Google chat with Brett Hancock. It's so worth it. And I <laughs> were so disappointed because we get this experience every week and yeah. we
2: have for years. You
0: don't get you, to, don't. you don't understand what it's like until you do it. I, Executive
2: producer Brett Hancock is a great Google chat mate.
0: I put it on there as a legitimate reward and I think most people didn't understand it because they've never been in a Google Because voice they chat. they don't know what the definition like, of pandemonium is. I feel like we need like <laughs> free preview Google hangouts with Brett, <laughs> with Brett or something <laughs> like that to really entice people in. Alright, we good? I think we're good. Yeah. Alright, so anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's the Patreon plug, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. I also am going to be posting it on Twitter when I make my video every week, so you can check, look for it, keep an eye out for it there. Alright, now it's time for Seahawks Nest Movie Club, and I'm going to come in with an absolute nope. corny kung fu classic. Ooh, he's going right. kung fu. And so, this movie is a sequel to a great movie called The One Arm Boxer, but this is the sequel, and it's the Master of the Flying Guillotine. So I just have to start. This is one of my all-time favorite kung fu movies. Have either of you guys seen Master of the Flying Guillotine? Because otherwise, this is going to be me describing the movie to you, and you guys laughing your asses off because this movie is
1: awesome. I have not seen this movie. I did not think you were going to go this way. This is I, a
0: this is this is about to turn into a ten-minute sales pitch. I saw this movie
2: <laughs> on Up All Night, which says how long ago that was. Yeah. On what was that? USA Network. USA
0: up all
1: night.
2: In maybe like 1998.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Um
2: I remember. You're like that 10 it or was 11. Yeah. Hilarious.
0: It's so good, bad, and so good, good also.
2: And it seemed I, rem- it, it, yeah. It's, okay, so, I cannot remember so this. Well. Sc- I'm turning into Rick over here. Let's <laughs> let's
0: set the scene a little bit about Master of the Flying Guillotine and why I like this movie so much. So it starts off. Okay. First. We got to go back to the plot of One Arm Boxer because because it's, it directly ties it. So in One Arm Boxer, basically what happens is uh, the One Arm Boxer his master's dojo gets destroyed. It's burned to the ground. It's raised, and he's the only survivor, and he survives with one arm. Actually, he survives with two arms. You can tell the whole movie because you can see the lump on the other side of his body. But let's just pretend like you can't see that. That's some method acting right okay. there. So he's the One Arm Boxer. He spends the rest of the movie training to beat beat people up. You know, as the One Arm Boxer. Okay, and then. So he trains, he does this hardcore training, you know, do, 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 and then he beats, he beats a bunch of people up and he kill, he ends up killing guys with like one punch a whole bunch. It's cause, you know, he's one arm boxer. He's awesome. So then we go to the plot of Master of Flying Guillotine. Well, here's what happens. At the end of One Arm Boxer, these two guys sent this like clay tablet to the Master of the Flying Guillotine and they said, if you get this clay tablet, it means the one arm boxer killed us. Cause they like weren't sure that they could kill him or not. I don't really know. Doesn't matter. The Master of the Flying Guillotine is a blind guy. Who has a weapon where he can th- it's on the end of a chain and it looks like a frizz it's like he throws it like a frizz. It's like a hat. It goes yes. o- it goes over people's heads. And it has a great sound effect. Oh yeah. I'm like glad a, that you it has like this. it. It's like <laughs> shing, shing 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 Yeah, it's like ridiculous. The sound effects in the movie are off the chain. And he- off the chain. You like that? I got that was weapon. good. Well, tied so in. he throws the chain and then he'll pull it back and it will literally pop people's heads off. Yes. And then it comes out clean. And it has blades on the outside and the inside. Which is a plot point that comes up later. Yes. So, so, anyway, the one, arm, <laughs> the one, he gets this message and he's like, I gotta kill this one arm boxer. So then he goes, so he's on his revenge mission to kill the one arm boxer. Well, the one arm boxer, he's like back in his dojo, like training people now, and he's like teaching them like these breathing techniques that te- make it so you can run up walls and run along ceilings and stuff. So the one arm is like teaching them this, and then all of a sudden there's a fighting tournament. Okay, and so. And it is all of a sudden. Yeah, it's just out of nowhere. There's just, all of a sudden, now we're at a fighting tournament. There's a fighting tournament. And then the one-armed boxer decides, he's not gonna participate, cause he's, you know, he's too badass or whatever. But he, it'd be good for his students to go. And then the, the master of the flying guillotine's like, I'm gonna go to this, cause I bet you the one-armed boxer will be there. So on, so basically, the master of the flying guillotine though, oh yeah, I forgot, when he leaves his dojo, he just burns it to the ground. <laughs> 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 I, I, I forgot. So, so let's just fuck, just, just uh, keep that in the background. of your head. Then uh, he, he goes to the... he On his way to the tournament, he he goes to a restaurant. And remember, the the master of the flying guillotine is blind, but he has like these giant eyebrows that he uses to like echolocate or something. I don't know. Because every time... They do these
2: weird scenes where he's like flexing them. Yes. Like antennae. Exactly. It is so <laughs> awkward. He's on
0: his face and he's doing like his eyebrows. And they're down. fierce eyebrows. Yeah, they're so big. So anyway... He's in this restaurant and some guy eats like a whole chicken and all this stuff. And then they, he's, he has, but the guy who's eating the chicken, he has one arm. And so they, they're like, Hey, you have to pay for your food. And he's like, I don't have to pay for my food. I'm the one arm. I'm the famous one arm boxer. And he's not really, but it doesn't matter to the master flying guillotine. He's blind. So he just throws his guillotine out, and chops the guy's head off. He'll and he says, I'm going to kill every person I meet who has one arm. <laughs> it's like, hell yeah, dude. That's commitment. Yeah, he's committed to revenge. Anyway. Ends up, the Master of the Flying Guillotine goes to the tournament and it gets super brutal and he recruits like a Dalsam guy that can like stretch his arms out. This is like the OG Dalsam. I'm pretty sure Dalsam is based Came on this. Came from this, okay. Yeah, he's like a yoga guy. He recruits like a guy that has knives and he recruits like another guy. And um, the Master of the Flying, or the one arm boxer's like, I can't take this guy right now. He's like too gangster. A bunch of people get killed and then he like decides I'm remember these scraps, right? Do
2: you remember this? So if I remember this correctly, they use a lot of like explosive set inside of stuff so like yes. he's throwing the flying guillotine and, and like he'll... wooden dummies
0: are blowing up and like he... parts of walls are it clearly little... have pyrotechnics the master in them. Of the flying guillotine has these little bags that he'll throw at things and they just blow up okay it doesn't make any sense uh, anyway, he just, so the one boxer boxer's like, I can't deal with this, I gotta run away. So he sets this trap where he, in this coffin store, he sets up all these hatchets on I'm, springs. I'm currently watching this scene. Cause I want, I gotta be in on this, I can't. He's, he sets up all these hatchets on springs so that he can shoot them at the <laughs> Master of the Flying Guillotine while they fight. So first what he does is he meets the Master of the Flying Guillotine in this bamboo field. You saw this Eric? Yes. It's like 18. So what, tell, can you explain this scene, what he does?
1: Okay, so the bamboo field, it's its like the showdown. And what happens is the Master of the Flying Guillotine, you get to see the Flying Guillotine in action, which is great. its He basically is... Oh, you saw him? it in action a lot before this in the movie. Well, I mean, for he's me...
0: Ch- he's like a straight up... Serial killer with this thing. <laughs> yeah. He's like and he's like considered like the, the most fearsome assassin in all of ancient China. You can tell you can do some great drive-in movie totals on this. He's dropping him
1: over the over the bamboo and basically cutting off the tops of the bamboo. And as it goes, the one on boxer is leaving that bamboo and going to the next one.
0: Yeah, he's so he's using the bamboo to try to get him to wear out the blades on the inside, and eventually they all fall out. So now he only has to contend with the outside blades. So then he lures him into this room that's filled with birds. Which is next door? It's a, it's to the a co- coffin yeah, store. Yeah, it's it's like connected. It, yeah, you so it's know,
2: like, it's, a, it's an aviary slash you know undertaker's store. They're really common.
0: It's so, so yeah. So anyway, he was a thing he in Hands up, up in the, co- the coffin store, and he hits him with all his uh, his spring loaded axes, which you know obviously works. And then eventually, the flying guillotine breaks in half so there's fist fighting and it's
2: really dramatic too when it breaks in
0: half like doesn't it like slow motion out and it's like the
2: da 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 yeah
0: well <laughs> he, he what he does is he he's hanging upside down in the coffin store and he's throwing all these rocks into boards and the master of flying guillotine's throwing the guillotine into the rock into the boards and then uh eventually it, he throws it into like a clay pot or something bigger and it breaks and then uh so then they're fight they're fist fighting and you can't fist fight with the one arm boxer actually two arm boxer you could definitely tell the whole scene <laughs> I, one, one,
1: I can, I can tell it's a two-armed boxer. Two, you're right. You don't want to fight this guy because I just finished the scene.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I'm pretty sure that the scene ends where the one-armed boxer uppercuts him through the ceiling and then punches a coffin out of the door of the coffin place. Which catches the yes. master of the flying guillotine before he hits the ground. <laughs> yes, you
1: have described that perfectly. Although the uppercut is more like a jab. Okay. But it's but it's funny because he does go straight up after getting hit. You're like, why? He,
0: he just, goes through the roof and yes. he rolls off the roof. So. It's
2: the second best
0: ending to a really good bad ninja movie. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think this movie is is pretty great. And, uh, if you like, like, old, cheesy, kung fu movies that have just, uh, a, a, a smidge of weird racism, <laughs> uh, cause the Dalsim Indian Yoga Guy and, like, oh, you giant, really sold this to me. The giant eyebrows and stuff, then I highly recommend. And, and is, it it is 1978's Master of the Flying Geese? Uh,
1: looks like it. It is available for
0: free on YouTube. Yep. You can watch the whole movie. In English. Yeah. Which means it's going to be even Ooh, more I've racist. Watched, I've only watched it with the subtitles. I never watched the dub. That's really bad dubbing. Oh, it's man, great. It's going to be so bad. Yeah, I'm. I'm honestly I'm going to watch this tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's guess my you plans. Know you know what? Next next podcast, maybe you can give us like one minute your one minute hot take on it. Oh, you know I'm I'm really good at like thirty <laughs> second
1: movies, so I'll I'll try and dumb it down. It'll be great. You can you can name popular movies, and I'll just give you thirty seconds. Bam, the trying.
2: only one, and correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it? Um, a revenge of the ninja was that no, the enter the ninja, enter, enter, the ninja. The ninja. Thank you. enter the ninja Enter the Ninja has the best end scene I, of any B it's going to,
0: movie it's going to come up at some point because of the the whole white guy ninja uh weird thing but i i just want to say yeah, let's save let's save all our jokes for a future podcast absolutely on
2: but the end scene of that movie is amazing
0: uh so yeah but uh i highly recommend master and plus quentin tarantino he says that master of flying guillotine is one of his 10 favorite movies of all time which is fitting
1: yeah, well, he does like the 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 old kung fu master you can see from uh, Kill Bill Volume Two. Yep. And he, I could go off on Quentin Tarantino about his awesomeness, but he is a connoisseur of weird, offbeat, sometimes well-known, sometimes never heard of films. And I've never got a chance to talk to uh, to meet Quentin Tarantino. I had a friend that worked at Scarecrow Video and got to hang out and talk with him, and he said they just talked about weird, obscure movies for like forty-five minutes.
2: By the way, uh, great tie-in for the week.
0: Uh, Quentin Tarantino, Rex Ryan, fetish. Yeah. They both love, <laughs> they both love feet. That ties it all together. And we're going to leave it on that. So hit uh, us up on Twitter or Facebook. Twitter, SoundCloud, Facebook, Reddit, LinkedIn. No, wait. Tune in. Uh, we're Stitcher. on, we're on, uh, Stitcher. We're on Fork Overcast. We're on iTunes. We're on, we're on everything. If you th- can think of it and it plays podcasts, we are on it. So go find us there and uh, tell your friends to find us there. And tell, us your mom ju- t- tell your mom to download. You know what? I'm going to take that old Matthew Berry tech. Just They can download it and they don't have to listen to it. I don't care. Or you know what? Just have them play it in the background uh, with the sound off. That's fine with me too. <laughs> it's easier for me to to justify my existence it's if you know someone who likes <laughs> movies
2: just you know send them the link uh, just the movie part
0: yeah just be like hey listen from this point forward they talked about this kung fu movie that i think you might
1: like you really are getting two different podcasts in one with ours and that's i think a big improvement we made this year because we would we'd would always do a hypothetical which honestly uh, you handled it beautifully and it was great but it was time to be retired and you've you've basically shaped our podcast into think a about the value. new realm
2: think about the value
0: all I'm right. so
1: sad that you don't have this hey, queued up. Hey, game seven. Game seven of the Cubs Indians. Yes. Kluber on the Hill. What day? Um, Thursday. Probably it's Thursday. It's gonna
0: come out probably the same day this happens. So let's look like idiots. You guys got predictions? Uh Indians. Sorry, Nathan. But my but my great uncle is a Hall of Fame baseball player for yes, the Cubs,
1: Eric. Related to Ron <laughs> Santo, most likely. <laughs>
0: most likely. His uh, is gra- it true for, for real? Grandpa his great-grandpa and my great-grandpa are
1: brothers did you meet him
0: i know is he still alive my dad did though no no oh. he has no legs oh. and he's dead oh well that's that's a double bummer he's from seattle though is i he mean really? the the signs are all there dude <laughs> <laughs> other than the fact that his great-grandpa and my great-grandpa are brothers other than that other than that other the than signs, that. all the other signs are there too oh, i okay. don't want either team to
2: win the end
1: uh, I'm, while well, you look for this, this game, I would like to say I'm kinda upset that you don't have the Rex Ryan foot fetish video queued up so we could end the podcast on that, but <sighs> it's okay. It's really hey, gross. The game is tomorrow. Is it really? Wow, they
0: really wanna wrap up that baseball season. Kyle Hendricks will face Corey Kluber. They In wanna make per, sure Arietta has field, no chance. 72 degrees. Corey Kluber, if he gets three wins in the World Series, I mean, he oh, has to be seventy-two degrees he has in Northern and it's Ohio. It's the
2: Cleveland racist mascots versus the insufferable Cubs fan base for who you have to deal with. If this Kluber gets true. three wins
0: in the World Series, and he he's the MVP for sure. But you know what? You can't let a guy with a racist mascot from Birmingham, Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> get there. I'm just kidding. For executive producer Brett Hancock,
1: for Nathan Sano, for Kevin Garber, I'm Eric Ronbeck. Uh, you got some great feet there. Go Hawks. I got
0: nothing
2: but a little song, a little tune to play, to make the we good times roll. I got nothing but a bag of green, two dancing shoes and my friends with me. But well, I got nothing but a little song,
0: a little tune to play, to make the good times roll.